1: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Barsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City.
0: Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. Two-wheel gearheads. Yeah, we got some two-wheel talk tonight. We're going to talk a little MotoGP, but we are going to talk some Formula One as well. This is John Massengill sitting across from my friend Jonathan Green Mr. Green, how are you, sir? Very well, very well.
2: Looking forward to the boys being back in town, and in fact, in celebration, we're going down to NASA yet
0: again. Ten years of of uh, MotoGP, isn't that crazy?
2: Yeah, and it's also been a really interesting era because we're we're kind of starting a new era post-Rossi. post Rossi, post Rossi, and
0: post Marquez.
2: Well, and if you think of, about it, uh, yeah. we we were the start of the phenomena that is Mark Marquez and now his brother Alex who was Paul last time um, you know so you know in that tip time period uh, Mark Marquez got his first victory uh, at Austin as did Sam Lowe's in Moto2 yep. so you know they both return uh, I hope because Marquez has been out uh, injured uh, so has everybody else by the looks yeah. of things and um, yeah so we're hoping that we'll get as many riders as we can certainly on the MotoGP grid
0: I think it was standard 17 in Argentina sheesh well, we also have an expert. We got Vito from Ducati Austin. Perfect time. They're celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, living large at Ducati right now, right? No yeah. kidding. Um, you know, I,
2: I mean, you know, on a serious note, you know, I'd like to talk to, I'd like to talk to Vito, who we've known, of course, for a long time. But um, I'd like to get his temperature on the bike market generally, um, because you know, yep. post COVID, uh, pre COVID, during COVID. You know, uh, do people do people put a helmet on and go outside because of COVID, or did uh, sales go You know, that's just some, some Yeah,
0: we've had Vito and I and Mark. have had that discussion. I've had this discussion. It's a really good discussion. Okay, good. And I think you will enjoy it because it's some good stuff in that. But uh, but we are going to talk some Formula One tonight. We're going to start with Formula One, and somebody asked me why why is Formula One taking the summer break so early? I said not. I said they're not. They're taking a spring break early. And they said, why are they doing that? And I said, well, it's not that they really intentionally set out to do that. It's because the Chinese Grand Prix was, was supposed canceled. to be slotted in here, and it was canceled. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, but I kind of like it. Uh, from our standpoint, we can kind of do a reset, get ready for Miami, because we're going to be out in Miami, of course. Yeah, yep. Get Looking ready for Miami that. and do a reset. And But that's why. That's why Formula One's taking this little four-week break here. But um, but one thing I wanted to talk about was some news our buddy Chris Medlin put a story up on racer.com that you caught it before I did Mm. talking about the sprint race changes that they're going to do for the upcoming Azerbaijan Grand uh, Grand Prix. So, and it's really interesting. Excuse me. The interesting, the way this change is coming about Jonathan, because basically what they're going to do is, is just turn up the volume for every day, right? Because they're going to have the qualifying on Friday. Um, It'll be, you know, and that qualifying will be for the Sunday Grand Prix. Mm. But but in but on Saturday, instead of having a, a practice, they're gonna have the qualifying for the sprint race later that day. So in other words, Friday means something, Saturday means something, and Sunday means something. So they're just making sure that every single day has a lot of relevance.
2: Yeah. And I think in theory, ha, ha it could be good. It could be really good. Um, because if exactly that that reason, I mean, you know, in some of the articles I was reading, it's, it's, it's like you, you don't show up to a soccer game on a Wednesday for training, do you? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just show up for the match on Sunday. And I do believe modern motorsport is going that way in Trans Am. We don't even bring the cameras in until Saturday morning. And that's not a, you know, that's just a, a cost-saving exercise. But I don't think people, you know, people want to see Friday's practice or, you know. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's interesting if you're doing the commentary, of course. Uh, and you could, you know, and I think in the future you could be in a situation if we were money-saving where you could get a drone and a couple of cameras and cover a free practice, for example, yeah, uh, and not employ 22 cameramen. Um, but then again, you know. Generally speaking, with a circus like MotoGP or Formula One, those guys are there anyway. So it'll be a, a balance between that. But in terms of format for Formula One, I think it's a good idea. Um, because like you say, there'll be relevance uh, and and things to tune in. And if you have a steady weather pattern, i.e. it's perfect, it's the same weather conditions each and every day, then think about qualifying on Saturday morning compared to Friday afternoon, let's say, or Friday and Saturday in similar temperatures. What could you learn from Mm. that? Mm -hmm. I also heard that the qualifying for the sprint race would be like the most you could get in Q3 would be one lap. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, So that makes it more intense because any
0: mistakes, therefore, you know, you miss so, corner. So what about the argument that I've heard The the one that's kind of popped up the most I've heard is that it kind of removes some of the glamour from the actual Grand Prix, the, you know, the big Sunday event?
2: Um, I don't
0: think so. I don't
2: think so. I, I really don't. Um, it, it, it you know, it, there's less points available. It's a shorter race. Um, I do worry about, you know, we, we've been trying to cut costs for ages, and I mean, you know, <laughs> sprint race by an, in its in its, you know, <laughs> definition means you're going hell bent for leather quickly at a shorter distance of time. So are you taking more risks?
0: Yeah, good question.
2: Um, And Mm -hmm. therefore, is there going to be more damage and crashes?
0: This is going to be really relevant to our conversation with Vito because we're seeing lots of that in MotoGP right now because they went to a sprint race format too. Correct. And I I have more of a problem with MotoGP, not through crashes, but
2: through injuries. Because they have something like, well, they've they've got their biggest season ever, MotoGP, 23 races. But I don't know how it works out and how many sprint races exactly, but I think it's something like 42 races in all. This mm. season Now if your body Like Mark Marquez You know And you're prone To doing the odd crazy th- Craziness While collecting ch- World championships um, You know the, 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 the odds are against you Being injury free For a season So yeah. they could They could shoot themselves In the foot Whereas Formula 1 Very 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 rarely Do you get any Form of injury From a crash In Formula 1 Thank you Dutchwood Yeah um, But you know So it's a different sport But you know, I do. I, I, I'm not so sure about the sprint format, but all of motorsport, and you know, we learned, This is what NASCAR learned from, um, you know, uh, from COVID. They cut it down and said, "Hey, just show up and qualify, or not just even qualify, it. race. Just mm-hmm. race." And then you, and then, you, and, and and I like that because you're talking to your spotter and your engineer, and that first pit stop is the first time you adjust the car in NASCAR. So <laughs> there'll be a touch of that in Formula One because. And when the conditions change, it's like, okay, you're at Monza, Friday race, sprint race, went well, you know, but it's raining
0: on Saturday. Yeah. Did you see what Frederick Vasseur, Ferrari boss, said about the sprint races? He said, uh, for once, I think all the teams were aligned. It's not very often that's the case. We had to jump on it. He said, the format is more dynamic and you can discuss about doing it so late, as in before the race, before at the end of the day, I think we're all aligned to have a push for it. In other words... Every team. I think it was a unanimous vote. To mm, move, it was, which, which was stunning, right? That that all ten teams vote on anything. Yeah, yeah. and Agree on anything. But am I right in saying? Have you? Because I asked about
2: this. Because um, I read that Medlen story. It's it's just the sprint races of 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 which there are six, including Kota,
0: right? That's right. So, That's right. Okay. And I think there. Are, it's not officially ratified yet. I think pending. Yeah, it's pending ratification.
2: Yeah, and you know what I like about that. On a non-sprint race weekend, we'll get the vibe and the fans will get the vibe for whether
0: they prefer one format or the other. Yeah, that's, I think this is a great way to do this. Let's sprinkle it in, see how it goes. And I mean, this is the second year we've been doing this. So, but, but this new change, hopefully it'll be, they'll ratify it and we'll do it. All six races this year. We'll see how you that know the
2: Achilles out. heel and all this for Formula One though. What's that? <laughs> the one guy they can't convince is, is, Verstappen. is, is the current world champion and right. the most exciting racer in Formula One, who has been quite outspoken about his hate yeah. of the DNA of Formula One being changed by all this.
0: And frankly, um <laughs> Yes. Uh did you hear Verstappen what he said about <laughs> he's looking at the producer. Uh, did you hear what Verstappen said about the start, the restart? Uh, the, actually, about all starts in Formula One right now, he said everyone is so aggressive on lap one because they all know that's the only chance they have. Yeah, I just and I, you know, and I, we're all we all know that. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was pretty stunning that Max, you know how. Most Formula One drivers are not going to say that stuff. But he but does. Matt just, Max just said, yeah, I, and the I only also, chance you've got. I, and
2: I also think they have arrived with just a stinger of a
0: car that huh. I don't think even they believe how good it is. We don't know how good that car is yet. No. That's my opinion. I think they're holding their God powder. God forbid they both qualify first and second for a yeah. change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Well, it's we got plenty more to come about Formula One, and we will see how all that works out. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> well, and you know, it'd be good tonight to also talk about the comparisons
2: between the two sports because they are yep. the top two motorsports in the world, uh, and they have very f- different, you know, fortunes at the moment. And obviously, Formula One is on a huge high at the moment. And during Rossi's ten years, let's say, or at the height of Rossi's powers and stoner, and so on. MotoGP have been on a huge crest uh, for the last 10 years, but they've had a dip now, and part, part of that is Rossi's gone, and that'll happen when Hamilton goes, but Verstappen has come, and, and the same with MotoGP, and I'm looking forward, actually, to learning more uh, about some of the characters, um, you know, in, in MotoGP. I mean, some of them I know well, some of them are just new, um, but Rossi's yeah. still involved. He got his first win last weekend.
0: Yep, as a team owner. Yep. yep. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk MotoGP with Vito from Ducati Austin. Listen to Sunday Out with Speed City. Back after this.
2: As a rider, you know what you like, the power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. You can take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com.
0: Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City.
1: Welcome back to the fastest hour
0: in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. We are going to shift gears and talk some two-wheels, some MotoGP. We got MotoGP coming to Austin for the 10th time. Next weekend. Next weekend, that's right. And we have uh, a man who's probably pretty excited about the recent success of the ducati brand we have vito from ducati austin vito how are you buddy hey i'm great thanks for having me on guys well it's uh we've been hanging out with you for 10 years talking ducati and it's such <laughs> it's really exciting for me to talk to you because back in the day 10 years ago when ducati wasn't at the top of the charts in MotoGP, we talked about uh you know trying to get some attention and and the dominance of honda and and then the followed by the dominance <laughs> of Mark Marquez and now you guys are getting the, the same dominance criticism now. I thought that was kind of cool actually.
3: Yeah, it is. It's uh it's sort of funny because, you know, no one really complained a whole lot when Honda was doing it and Yamaha then had their their years and yeah. You know, Ducati really just filled a void because the other the other brands really weren't taking care of their satellite teams and Ducati came in and filled it. Uh, you know, a perfect example is Yamaha with RNF you know, they were only giving them one year contracts mm. and Aprilia came in and, you know, gave them multi-year and you can't blame a team for wanting stability. And, you know, uh, the other ones weren't really taking care of their 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 customers, really, at the end of the day. And Ducati sort of came in and took care of it.
0: Yeah. <clears> well, I want to make sure everybody knows everything about Vito because you guys, not only you have Ducati <clears> Austin, <throat> but you guys have the San Antonio shops. You all have got, yeah. what, Ducati Triumph, yeah. Aprilia and Moto Guzzi. Is that right?
3: Yes, uh yeah, we just moved into our new facility at the end of uh January actually uh last day and we're in there now. It's uh it's about 95% uh but we're in there. We're just sold our first Aprilia last week. Uh it's pretty exciting. Uh Cool. Cool brand. I you know, I used to actually race them myself. Nice. Um but I'm I'm a Ducati guy through and through to be honest. So
2: I think what I love about that combination, though, is uh, you've got Moto Guzzi, you've got um, Aprilia and uh, Ducati. And so, you know, if you are a sort of, you know, blue, uh, true blue Italian love uh, of of the great motorcycle, then you can't go wrong. And then you've got Triumph for for idiots like me from Britain. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You weren't supposed to agree agree with that.
2: <laughs> well, not about the Britain part. i you okay. know, British,
3: you know. I mean, you guys are young. You got you got your motor too, so we'll give you that. There you uh, go. Yeah, and there's a couple good riders out there.
0: Yeah. Well, Jonathan, you were going to say something about the Ducati discussion. Though. Well,
2: yeah, no, I was going to see. I mean, you know, tough question, Vito. But Ooh. you know, we've always known. I mean, I, as you well know, we we came sort of together when I was in World Superbikes, and of course, it is a famed, you know dominance that they had for many, many, many years um, in Ducati um, at World Superbike level, especially when I started in World Superbikes at the height of Carl Fogarty's career. Um, And that continued with the likes of Corsa and and, and many others. But what do you think? We always used to say Ducati are the most innovative. They brought the fins in first. They brought all the wings in first. Um, then it was wow the Ducati in a straight line. Look at it from above here at Qatar. It's incredible. Um, so it you know it always had these elements. But what is it last year? Do you think that 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 made it the invincible? Uh, you know they just
3: kept on plugging away, and I think honestly, sort of a changing of the guard actually when it came even to the riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they they've always been sort of the team wanted. Sort of like in Formula One, you want an experienced rider and then you want, you know, sort of your new guy. And Ducati just decided they needed to, uh, you know, make a big break and big change. And they've heard it over the years about, you know, the handling of the bike wasn't there. You know, it didn't turn quick enough, it wasn't good enough in that direction. And they've honestly just plugged away and plugged away and plugged away until they made a bike that really is a, just a great all around bike. And like you said, Jonathan, you know, they've been very innovative. Um, and I think it's really all, all three of the European brands, KTM, Aprilia and Ducati are all, you know, sort of, they're way more innovative, quicker to react than the two, uh, you know, Japanese brands that have been very dominant. They're, they're a little bit more like old school, big, huge corporate, huh. uh, you know, dynamic. And uh, Ducati has just been constantly testing, constantly bringing new parts to the table. And uh you know, they had that rap for a long time that they, they wouldn't listen to the riders, and I think that's changed.
2: Yeah, and also seemingly what's changed in sort of my era of MotoGP is that instead of you having the factory Ducati team with the Desmond, you know, Siddiqui GP23 and then Pramac or whoever else, uh, Grassini, you know, uh, and Pramac having a sort of last year's version, th- this year, all of them are GP23, and that's going to help, you know, all all boats... You know, all ships. What's, it, what's the expression? Rising you know, tide lift rising all boats, boats, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But, but is that part of it too? Is that everybody's got the same yeah. spec?
3: So uh, actually, uh, so Pramac and and the course team are both all running twenty threes, where Basecki and uh, Marini are back. Are they're on twenty mm-hmm. oh, uh, okay.
2: twos? The twenty
3: two was a great bike, yeah, and it's well sorted out. But they they really do have just twenty twos and twenty okay, threes. Yeah. They're not going like three years back or anything like they used to do. You know, it used to be there would be like, you know, two years back, some of the teams running. So they're they're much more consistent. And you know, what the other teams are complaining about the dominance is that Ducati's able to take so much data. And the twenty three, you know, is really very evolutionary from the twenty two. So you can still get good information off a of twenty two to a twenty three.
0: Yeah, so, and well sorted out. I mean, last year crazy dominance, yeah. right? Yeah, and it, it's it sort
3: of to. Like Anya Bassanini last year, you know, who won four races, who was on a 21 and, uh, you know, Pecco was on the 22 and he struggled at the beginning because they made a lot of changes. So, you know, that I think uh, is helping Bissecki and Marini, you know, in these first few races.
2: <clears throat> I also think that from a management point of view, having Paolo Ciabatti, uh, uh, Ciabatti and also uh, Davide Todozzi who effectively, p- between them, were responsible for the last domination of Ducati and World Superbikes. Um, you know, for those who don't know that, because, that, again, that's my Superbike background showing there. But, um, you know, I think having that consistency at the top and trusting that they know what they're doing, one an ex-rider, another ex-managing director of both Ducati and World Superbike, you know, there's some pretty, pretty good people at, at the hand of the wheel of the, of the ship, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys were talking earlier about, you know, the comparison of Formula One to MotoGP. I'm a, I'm a big Formula One fan. I love, I'm a Ferrari fan, uh, but they've had no stability at the top. And I think it shows for them versus what you're saying, Jonathan, about Ducati and they have stability and it, it just, you know, helps with the success and same you see in Red Bull versus, you know, Some of the other, you know, Ferrari example.
2: Well, let me ask you this then: Do you feel, as I do, that Vasa could be Mm -hmm. could be the guy to turn the ship at Ferrari? Then I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, they need it. They've got a great product. They've got two of the greatest drivers. I've said this, you know, all along. I still think they got a really fast car and they cheated with yeah. it a couple of, a couple of years ago, but, um, and, hey. and, but that's formula one, <laughs> hey. but it is, but, um, you know, but that's formula one. You, you, you push the rules and if you don't get caught, that's, yeah. that's, that's just fine.
3: It's, it's, it's only cheating when you get caught.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, speaking of a comparison between formula one and MotoGP, you know, we've talked about so much of the impact of to survive mm-hmm. a million times. And, but MotoGP is struggling a little bit with TV ratings. And I just did a quick look this afternoon and I realized the only live race they're showing in the United States on television, not if you have the app, if you have the MotoGP app, obviously you can get it live, but, um, is Coda. All the rest of them are replayed at, at good times though, you know, typically one, two in the afternoon on Sunday. Um, but what do you think about, I mean, do you think it's what we were saying earlier in the other segment, Vito, that, that it is, you know, Valentino Rossi's out of the sport. Marquez is on a, you know, struggled lately. Uh, do you think it's that, or do you think it has to do with the, the way the television is or what do you think? Uh, you know,
3: uh, I, I think it's all those factors, you know, I think for the true MotoGP Formula One fan, like myself, I haven't watched MotoGP on a TV and yeah. pretty much since the MotoGP app has been around. And yeah. this year, because I've sort of renewed interest in Formula One because couple of years, I just, you know, I sort of lost interest a little bit because of the Mercedes dominance. Uh, but this year, I got the Formula One app to watch it. So mm-hmm. I can now watch it at whatever time I want, because I usually watch it with friends. So we watch it delayed and stuff. But I think, you know, when a sport is sort of trying to grow, especially in the US, TV plays such a huge part that mm-hmm. if it's not broadcast at a convenient and a good time, it's really hard. And uh you know, for people to start following it because they don't want to make that investment to go buy an app because they don't really know much about it. And, you know, Formula One did a great job with the, you know, Drive to Survive. I've only watched a few episodes of it, but, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a little bit reality TV, but, you know, it's a lot of reality TV, but, you know, it's made personalities out of certain people like Gunther Stein, you know, he's yeah, yeah. he's like a rock star now, you know? Yeah. You know,
2: it's interesting. I um sort of, uh, I, I met i won't say with who but i i talked um about the sort of motogp version of oh, yeah. of, of drive to survive a similar sort of thing <clears throat> um and you know we were talking we were criticizing it we were absolutely trying to pull it apart yeah. and go why isn't that, is it not as successful as drive <clears throat> to survive and i my opinion and this you know this was definitely coming from the heart because i love motogp and i love world superbikes i've always loved the bikes I I said, it's not, it's not through lack of content. You have a better story than Formula One because the drama, the human drama, of a MotoGP riders, Mark Marquez is a great example. He is dynamite. When he is on form, He, I mean, he's electric to watch. The coverage of MotoGP is actually better than Formula 1 because they've been on this onboard cameras and doing dynamic stuff for longer. The graphics are better. The stats are better. And, I mean, I'm, I'm being tough here on Formula 1. But generally speaking, if you're talking about a drive-to-sub-5 catalyst, the 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 paddock of MotoGP has bigger stories. The mistake they made is that they subtitled because most of it is a Spanish run <laughs> and Spanish yep. based now, or a lot of influenced Spanish, including Mark Marquez and his brother, of course, but many 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 others. And I think that was a big mistake. And I, I t- you know, uh, I, I would well, Mark, go on, Vito. You're dying to get in. What do you think? No, no, I,
3: I'm just saying I 100% agree with you because the Americans won't do it. I, I started watching it. It took me probably four attempts before I got through four episodes because, like, yeah. I just kept on. You know, a little bit of the, you know, even though I'm not a youngster, but the, sort of the ADD thing, where you're trying to do multi things, and now you're trying to, you know, read subtitles and and watch a show, and you're doing something else. You know, you're. It just made it very difficult for me to sort of follow it and watch it because it was uh, all subtitled and. It's not as enjoyable as Drive to Survive where you can listen to most of it in English.
2: Yeah, and I think if you look at the sort of examples of fastest Mm -hmm. and many others, I mean, one of the suggestions I gave was why not bring a celebrity like a Ewan McGregor who's taken part in many a documentary on on motorbikes because he loves them uh, and he loves the sport and he's been to MotoGP and World Superbikes many, many, many times. And it needs that kind of – it's like the Wrexham feel. You know, you need a little bit of Hollywood um, in there, in, um, and they, yeah. they're still. And you need a great. You know, you need to be. You know, without being funny, you, you need somebody to be enthusiastic about what amazing aliens we used to call them aliens. These guys are to do what they do. That they're, they're, they're. You know, I mean, when astronauts get excited about these guys, that tells you something.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, Jonathan, you asked me to watch it with a critical eye. And I actually took notes, and that was the first thing I wrote down. And, yeah. it, and when I spoke, talked to you, you were like, I did the same thing about, about well the Americans watch the subtitles. subtitles. That's why yeah. French
2: art movies you know, yeah. are so rare here, whereas in Europe, you know, people do
0: speak several right. languages. In America,
2: well, they speak one language.
0: All right, we need to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk to Vito about the sprint race format in mm-hmm. MotoGP as compared ah, yeah. to the sprint race format in Formula One, how it's working in MotoGP, et cetera, et cetera. You're listening to your Sunday night with Speed City. Back after a quick break. Hey, guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, All Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer. And I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it when I tasted it. I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely... No uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But, Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special, the water and the recipe?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right, and they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it. it I tell you, this I'll beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm i definitely one of those. Because, You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a, a key thing. And that's the first thing. That uh hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's uh it's it's got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking.
0: Yeah. And the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local H-E-Bs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in, uh, uh,
2: on, on the shelf there as a Texas beer. But uh, I'll tell you what, you're
0: in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's altstatbeer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. altstADtbeer.com A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. <laughs>
1: Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All
0: right, we're talking MotoGP tonight because we got MotoGP coming back to Kota this coming weekend. And we have Vito from Ducati Austin and Ducati Triumph, Aprilia Moto Guzzi from San Antonio. But uh, when we went to break, Vito, I said I wanted to ask you about the how the sprint race format was mm-hmm. working out in... MotoGP and compare that to Formula One. Now that you're watching both of those,
3: uh, I, I think MotoGP it's going to be for the fan. It's great. There's more racing. There's more action on Saturday. I, I would think from the rider's perspective and seeing the follow from the first few races. You know, they only had 18 to 22 people out there. It's got to be more stressful, tiring because it's compressed and they just they didn't do like Formula One, which I, I think would have been a better scenario. Is to sort of gently get into it, not go from zero yeah. to twenty-one sprint races, um, because now it compresses. They don't have the time to do testing. They don't. Friday now is is so important because you try to get into, you know, the, the, basically the top ten, get into so they don't have to go to Q one. So it, it's just more stressful, more tiring. And I I think when you get to the more physical tracks, like Code is a very physical track. You know there there's going to be just more wear and tear on the riders and no matter what like dorna and I, they all say about you know it's the same amount of wear and tear on the bike and the rider because they didn't really increase the laps but mm-hmm. racing versus practice is mm-hmm. just two different things i mean even when i was just doing club racing you know we're in cmra practice is way different than racing it's yeah. just a whole different level of focus concentration you know, and 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 you're, you're more worn out from riding, you know, eight laps in a sprint race than thirty minutes of practice, yeah. Because you're you're a hundred percent on, yeah. So yeah, I, I I think they should have sort of waded into it a little bit more than just went twenty one races, and uh, you know we'll see how the year goes, how it how it ha- how it shakes out with the riders.
2: I I I'll go even stronger and say I think they've shot themselves in the foot here. Um, yeah. I I understand that that everybody wants to see a race. I'd love to see a race on a Saturday, but and I think Formula One versus MotoGP is very different here, because I knowing the mentality and having known Kevin Schwantz, who will be with me next weekend again, and Colin Edwards, and, and you know all of these guys, and got to know them. Um, they are mm. willing to lay their body on the line come race day. Yeah. Whatever the races, and I mean, it could be a moped for, the, for all they care, but that's the, that's their headset, right? But they do it so well that they come away with, like Mark Marquez, few times when they actually get hurt. Uh, Valentino Rossi is a good example. He managed to do that longevity because he he broke his leg once. I think that was about the major. biggest major incident he had. And, you know, there are other incidents where there's freak incidents like Simichelli's, which Valentino and Colin actually were involved in. And, you know, and things can go wrong. But the point is, if you tell them that they're racing Saturday, they're going to give you the 110% to a man. Every one of them Mm -hmm. does that. And that's my fear, is that if you do that 42 times in a year, and I think that's how many races in total, because not everyone yeah, does not is a sprint race. Okay. Gosh, um, the, the, the chances of you ending up, we've already got Espargaro out for probably a while <laughs> and a couple of others. Um, you know, I mean, now Mar- Marquez should be the king of Coda, but he's coming back from an injury again. He missed out on, you know, so Marquez's career that shines <laughs> so brightly could continue to be rattled with an early retirement at the age of 30 because he just can't do it a anymore. heck
0: of an impact by the way yeah. that that crash at marquez he yeah. ran into the back of who was it um who was it vito do you remember uh, uh olivera olivera yeah, yeah yeah but that was a huge and, impact. and, Hurt, and martin yeah uh, but
2: but but that's mark for you and and no one's surprised by it i mean it was early in the race and what are you thinking what are you doing yeah but that's mark yeah, and he—I mean, he, there was no—he's not an idiot. He—he's one, you know. He's so skillful, but it can go wrong. And unfortunately, you know, a broken collarbone, uh, a broken femur—these are these are realities which aren't realities in Formula One. I'm not saying it's less dangerous, but you know, I do think there is a different mentality, and I do think that MotoGP should really review it after a year and. Mark my words, if you like, I think next year we'll go to shorter formats, perhaps, where you start on, you know, maybe you do a free practice on Friday afternoon and then you come back Saturday and you, you know, you, I don't know. But I, I just think we'll get shorter format weekends, but I don't think that having two races in a weekend in Moto GP, not Formula
0: One, is correct. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Green. Yeah, I I agree. Honestly, I think I think Vito hit the hit it on the head. And when he's saying they just dove in and said, "We're yeah. just going to do this for every single weekend," and I I feel like the the writers are going to end up going, you know exhausted and, and and ultimately getting hurt it's it's a well crazy... and also you might get to i mean you know motorcycle racing is different than
2: formula one you know formula one is about the long game and looking at the intricacies um with moto gp it is hell-bent for leather from the flag uh, and that's what makes it so exciting so if you have a saturday race which is you know bombastic and awesome you know you're almost shy to come back on sunday and then you could go away sunday night disappointed after Jack Miller wins by thirty seconds or something, you know, you know what I mean. And so yeah. you then go, you go back into the office on Monday because that's when really you get to talk to your pals. And certainly in Vito's case, he's in the showroom, and everybody comes through the door wants to talk to him about Money GP or World Superbike. Um, you know, Ooh. you may not be as emphatic about it. And Saturday was a long time ago. Mm.
0: Hey, Vito, I want to ask you what is you know we've heard a lot of writers talk about uh, Coda itself, especially early days, whether it was best suited for motorcycle racing, you know, it was probably ultimately designed for formula one more than anything, but,
2: um, you say that it was divine by, um, by MotoGP, Well, GP but World that's Champion. true. <laughs> then that's where I was leading
0: to is that what have we seen now we've got 10 years under our belt. Do you think that those concerns, what do you think about Coda and MotoGP? Uh,
3: uh, uh, maybe I'm biased because it's in my backyard, but I think it's a great track. Uh, as a motorcyclist, I go ride it whenever there's a motorcycle track day. There, um, I'm going to be riding right after MotoGP. There's a a track day on the Monday. Um, it's 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 a great track because it is a Formula One track. In that there's runoff, there's it's well designed for even for you know the speeds that you can reach. But it's it's a, it's a good a relatively safe track you know for a motorcyclist and. Uh, it's very technical there's you know high speeds you know low speeds three hairpins or two but uh it's i, I like it and i think it's a you know it's it's got a bad rap for motorcycles because how bumpy it was yeah yeah uh, but it's it's honestly the last year uh, you know i i rode it last year probably six weekends it's way better uh i think it's I, I love it i mean i got this year or last year really i got to go ride at misano you no know, European tracks are just beautifully smooth. I rode with and uh Misano, and you know they're beautifully smooth and nice. But I think Coda is a great track. I think it's still probably the best place to you know in the U.S.
2: I agree. You know, uh, Vito, <laughs> I, I kind of want to ask you a sort of off-topic question, but I, I just wonder. You know, I mean, you're in this. You're in. You're about selling these things, and they're not cheap. Um, you know, no. uh, and I wonder how the market is for sales of mm-hmm. motorcycles, sort of, I haven't really spoken to you, you know, so post COVID or during COVID, um, you know, did people, you know, <laughs> find motorcycle riding the only way to get out? Cause you could have a helmet and get out, out of the flat or out of the house, <laughs> or was it a tough time? Like at a lot of, a lot of other industries.
3: So, um, you know, it, it was really interesting. Yeah you know the first few months like everyone else no one knew what was going on what covid really was how was how contagious it was it was a lot of panic you know we weren't sure whether we were going to be open closed down or shut down because austin had a lot of rules and regulations we pretty much had the showroom where it was by appointment three people in at max at at one time um you know the whole everything was going on but overall motorcycle sales that year were Honestly phenomenal because it was one of those things you could do by yourself. Yeah. Safely. You you were by by definition, you were social distancing. <laughs> yeah. On this, like, well, I'm at home <laughs> it. Uh so it was honestly a great year for sales and for service. Our biggest thing was having enough staff to to run it. The part of the business that really suffered because we're we're predominantly we're a brick and mortar place was apparel because. <laughs> for three months, we wouldn't let anyone try on anything. Uh, And then we had plastic gloves for them to put on. We had all (laughs) these things because no one knew what was going on. So uh, most people were just buying things uh, basically online and having it shipped to their house. So that was the only part of the business that really suffered. And Ducati honestly did, a, I think more than most other OEMs did a great job of having supply. So we had a a great year in 2021. 2022 started catching up a little bit with the supply chain issues. Um, But overall, really, it was very strong, 21 and 22. 23 now, there's other factors and, uh, you know, the whole banking, some of the banking crisis and people's concern about the economy that sort of slowed things down. But we just had a, you know, a very good uh, march. And you know, a little bit of concern, of course, but I think I think overall it's a you know, the brands that we carry are very strong brands. They're in in particular Ducati, it's a little less subject to some of the economic stuff. Mm -hmm. That's more of a premium thing. It's sort of like not necessarily I wish it was like Porsche, but uh, it's it's similar in that nature. Mm -hmm. The people that are gonna buy them are probably still gonna buy them.
0: I got I want to argue with something you said, Jonathan. You said they they're expensive. They're expensive compared to Hondas and Yamahas, <clears throat> but they're way cheap for a, compared to a Porsche <laughs> or other toy. I mean, let's think, let's be honest. Th- that like 20, 20, <laughs> 20, Exactly. 25 grand will buy you a really nice Ducati and, in today's, you know, car I, I, it's market. It's a fat point. Yeah, it's, it's a fat point. I mean, what is the average job. Ducati? About 20, low 20s? Uh, now,
3: yeah, the average probably works out closer to 20 because the superbikes now are a uh, V4S, which... Honestly, we, we don't have any on the showroom because the demand Absolutely. for those are only pre-sold. Those are a little over 30000
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And and uh, there's nothing more fun than walking out to your garage and seeing a shiny Ducati. I mean, that is a, you know. Well,
2: thrills per second.
0: There's no yeah. question. I mean, yeah, every that's stop. True. Yeah. But, you
2: yeah. know, I, I, when, I'm, when, I, when I go, because I've i t- taken a few of Vito's bikes out, and, and I, I'd go around Austin praying for the lights to stop. So I could have another start. I remember when the foot, one of the first bikes I ever rode from the Austin was a street fighter. And that basically is, you know, it's a superbike. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's, it's darn fast, but it was known as the street fighter. And that thing, I mean, every time you take off from, from a, you know, from a green light,
0: <laughs> a by rocket. the time you come, by the time you get across the
2: road, right, you know, by the time you get across the, <laughs> the next section you're
0: you're you're in hog heaven hey Vito, um i know you when you came on during the break you said you were feeling a little under the weather a little bit but because you said yeah. that you're a formula one fan now i really want to keep you for the final segment can you do it 10 more minutes yeah sure awesome yeah, sure all right well let's take our last break when we come back we're going to talk a little formula one you're listening to Sunny out with speed city back after a break
2: if you want to know where the path to formula one in indy begins it's three simple letters vrd vrd racing of atlanta georgia are dedicated to nurturing young single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the f4 us championship they also have programs in fr americas the all-new usf juniors And the road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at velocity underscore RD.
3: Hi, this is Jay Leno from
0: JayLeno'sGarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we're going to talk a little Formula. We'll probably sneak in some more MotoGP, but do, uh, but I want to ask Vito, Vito, what did you think of the Australian Grand Prix with the three red flags, all the rules enforcement, uh. all of that insanity? I wanted to get your take because uh, you know you sound like you're you're just a, a Formula One fan and not in the middle of it yeah. like we are every day. Uh, you know, it's sort of like
3: Jonathan said about. You know, Motor GP sprint race shooting themselves in the foot, race direction. <laughs> Honestly, in both sports, seem to shoot themselves in the foot <laughs> every weekend almost. It's I, I it's it's just it's hard to believe that they can sort of botch it up so many times. It's just and for the fans just
0: watching it, constant red flags, it's like, oh my what what is going on here? <laughs> so not true. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, you and I talked <clears> about <throat> it on the post show on Sunday. Um, but and and then Chris wrote an article, Chris Mellon, as mm-hmm. does a show with us. Which I thought was very well written. Yes, <clears> it <throat> was. And he broke it down. And technically, they, they, got, didn't, it right. they, they got it right. But the, the question then comes back is, are the rules right? You know?
2: Yeah, I think that's the point. Is, is that <clears> at 3 o'clock in the morning, as you would <laughs> be, we were... We felt let down, and we vented, and we said this is no good, and it's not a, good look, ruin, for not a good look for the sport. Yep. It's growing in America, and you're killing it, and all this sort of stuff. Very, very negative. And I, I got home. I woke up the next morning and was kind of worried that I went too far in my kind of like sort of vitriol. Uh, and then listened to Radio Five Lives post show on Checkered Flag, and they said exactly the same. Now the guys at Sky. Um, took a very different tack. They were very positive. And, of course, they've got more analysis and more people to analysis. Uh, and they're also working with Formula One very closely. They're on site. So yeah, and they're they... not going to bite the hand that feeds them. But at the same <clears throat> time, it, it was a more kind of, yep, this happened. And as Medlin, in his article, if you want to read it, it's on racer.com, said, to be honest, the stewards actually made all of the right decisions. You know, it, it's just a shame that it was a great qualifying, a great start. <clears throat> and then bad end.
0: yeah well, yeah I, I just think we need to make sure we have the rules first of all we need consistency which i think we saw an example of that they did follow all the rules because that was the big complaint about after abu dhabi 21 is consistency but i think we need to make sure we get the rules right you know because well, go ahead veto yeah no I, I was just gonna
3: say you know it's formula right. one there's just almost too many rules and too much structure, I agree. like the first race with Ocon then Alonso about their tire being just outside that box. And so they changed it by <laughs> like 20 centimeters. I mean, yeah. if you're sitting in that car, I've sat in an Indy car once, yeah. you it, you can't, can't see, see where those front wheels yeah. are. And, and to penalize them then to make them go back and then have the whole thing five seconds turn into 10 seconds, then turn into, I don't know, then a day later, you know won the race it just it's just craziness they need to sort of where it's not really impacting the race or what's going on is sort of not throw the flag it's mm-hmm. sort of like in football you know I, sometimes I, you just don't throw the flag
0: let them play in basketball
2: yeah yeah and i th- i actually think that both MotoGP. gp look all these sports because of the global is globalization of sport and i think social media is playing a huge part in that because we're all in this together yeah um, hence the times are changing and all the rest of it And social media is moving it forward Because we're all discussing it I really do think that they could all take a line from NFL Which is As much as possible And unless it is really Really dubious You need a voice of a voice of God To a certain extent But you know what I mean You need a race director to come on Across both the broadcast And the pad- pad- paddock and pit area And the fans Who were there And say Upon resumption, we will
0: do the following. Mm-hmm. Just like the, what is it? And in the NFL, there's like a head ref. Uh, I forgot the title. Yeah. But he, you know, he comes it's on. It's hard and clicks to clicks on do. Don't get me
2: wrong. But oh yeah, but we. But but what I found annoying, and especially in Formula One, and I've experienced it myself in, in bike racing, is instead of the journalists having to scrabble around taking pieces of information from the likes of tardozzi who's just heard it and doesn't mm. want to say too much because it could be tactically, uh, you know, um, interpreted differently from another team if they see tardozzi's doing this or, or we're going to do that, that. That you know. Y- what I'm getting at is that if everybody knows, and that's fans and commentators included, what is about what you're about to watch and why, then we wouldn't have this problem.
0: Mm. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this stuff plays out. So we'll keep on top of all that. But Vito, I put something in here in my show document talking about uh, the MotoGP chief Carmelo espelida talking about yeah. F1's popularity boom can help MotoGP uh what do you think that's the uh, what jonathan was saying a little bit earlier about the rising tide and all boats and etc what do you think you think f1 popularity can help MotoGP? i
3: don't know uh you know i've been there we talked about coda you know it's been 10 years and i've been to formula one since it started i've been to MotoGP gp since i started and it's such a drastically different vibe and different crowd yes. and everything at the events and i mean i grew up before motorcycle racing as a formula one fan but i, I enjoy MotoGP gp now much more um uh, but I, I don't see as much crossover as they would like and you know you had also mentioned something about you know MotoGP bringing in the nba boss dan was it ross mondo yeah um and, and i think MotoGP gp is sort of struggling and trying to like oh formula one did this let's try that yeah you know sort of with the sprints and sort of with the you know uh the their version of the show on uh you know I think it's on Amazon Prime yeah um but they need to sort of cut their own path um I think just the two crowds and two different they're just motorcycling no matter how much we love it or everything like that it's still a a very much of a niche because motorcycling is much more of a niche thing in the US than it is maybe in the rest of the world uh and everyone Much most places have a car, but do they have a motorcycle? So they really need to cut their own path and see what works, and you know try to grow it organically. Versus you know, I I don't think they're going to grow from the coattails of
0: Formula One. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you put that because I was, I was thinking that's they're they're reacting to everything the Formula One does, and just saying, oh, it's working for them. It's going to work for us. No, and 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 it's a. it's a very different animal, isn't it? It's just I don't I don't yeah. see that it's... it's and it's a very different culture, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, uh, very much. Well, you know,
2: you, you know, there's a simp- there's a simplicity to bike racing too, um, and if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, you're uh, it, it's not the same as if you've ridden a Honda, driven a Honda Civic, then you know exactly what's going on in the Red Bull car because it's got a Honda engine too. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Um, whereas if you ever throw your leg over, I mean, even a fifty cc motorcycle, you soon get to grips with how. Oh my gosh, I'm on two pieces of tiny rubber here, yeah. and I need I need to balance well, <laughs> and, and therefore your your admiration for the guys that do it at their level. Um, I mean, they are. aliens. I mean, you know, I've been very, very honored to have been around some of these guys. And I do sit occasionally at at, at a table with a with a beer in my hand with with one of them and go, gosh, you know, it's this. You know, I I don't often get, you know, starstruck, but those guys are special.
0: Yeah. And they they do put their life in their hands. Oh, it's amazing. And look at the safety of Formula (sighs) One cars now. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's crazy that we just don't. Like you said earlier, we just don't see the injuries. So. By the
2: way, I, I, and Vito will back me up on this. I don't know. Well, I know very few MotoGP or World Superbike riders who drive on the road or ride on the road or have a license even to ride a motorcycle.
0: Really? It's, yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. They
2: they go, I'm not going on the road. It's dangerous out there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I want It's true. To, I want to talk Coda and MotoGP again because we touched on it. Was this... I think it was either before, right before we went live, Jonathan, I'm talking about uh, Mark Marquez, but we'd touch on it. it's his 10th, 10th year. 10th anniversary, yeah. His 10th anniversary of, of him joining the Premier Class MotoGP, and the actual 10th anniversary is this weekend here mm-hmm. at COTA, and it's the anniversary of his first win, because I think it was either his second or his third race in the premier class well, He in, became the Kota. youngest ever winner yep. He beat Freddie Spencer
2: uh, And won from, here Yeah, I remember here. that I do remember very that well. I remember right where I was standing When he
0: crossed that finish line I do and it was a great picture It's on the wall in Kota Yeah <clears throat> I mean it's been an amazing ride Watching No pun intended Watching Mark Marquez Hasn't it Vito? Yeah Yeah he's an amazing rider
2: hey, uh, Is he going to come and join you At Ducati I mean you know He seems to be a <laughs> bit b- b- I mean there's chat of him Going to get KTM possibly I mean what, what's going on uh,
3: well, I, I I don't recall. I think it was either Paolo chivati uh, I'm pretty sure it was Paulo, not Eva D. But um uh, saying that sort of the time has passed now for uh Marquez or Mark Marquez uh at Ducati because now they have their whole young yeah crazy. so group of riders between you know, you know, even Bagnaia to Marini to Bezecchi to Enya, and then uh, you know. I'll be some people that'll be coming up from moto Two, moto three. Yeah. You know uh, I think, you know, Marquez, you know, uh, you know, I, I think he's, I could see him switching brands because his desire to win probably out will outweigh his loyalty to Honda. uh, Who's, you know, he's, who he's been with almost forever, it seems like. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
3: But, you know, I watched his documentary and it's, you know, the guy, he's just got an amazing will to win, not, not to finish second, not to finish third. I mean, it's to win and win championships. So, yeah. and he's, he's, you know, he's honestly been an
2: incredible rider, you know? Um, so. Well, Vito, before, well, before, the, before the hour's up, can you tell us what you're up to over the, you know, what to involvement or your involvement locally? Um, what are you getting up to and watch the fans? Yeah, got uh, about a minute here.
3: Yeah. So we're having on Thursday night, we have our big MotoGP party. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure, you know, uh, it's Horse huge teams coming who's coming as riders uh we don't know yet <laughs> we, yeah we know that's always last minute but there's always uh, they're always but, big yeah, surprises usually there. all of them come yeah <laughs> or most of them well yeah this year Enya they haven't there's there's not confirmation whether he's coming to the u.s or not because he was yeah. injured broke mm-hmm. his shoulder blade yeah we're hoping paco comes uh and uh, we'd love to see anyone uh, you know Bezecchi, marini or you know know, zarco martin any of the riders coming. You know, some years we've had four, some years we have one, but we're hoping for a few of the riders come. We'll have our, our big party Thursday night, then uh, I'll be out at the track Saturday and Sunday watching. I'm going to play a little hooky from work. A, Mo- a Monday
2: is out. a track day? Is that a Ducati track day or is that? Yes, yeah,
3: no, it's a uh, Aprilia racer day. It's a oh, okay. pretty cool event. Aprilia does a day, and yeah. it's uh, very small. Only 60 riders they have that cool. uh, come ride, and uh, it's more. It's also to test out their bikes. You can go ride an Aprilia. Um, but it's a very cool event. Then actually, we'll be doing our own track day on June 11th at Coda with another dealer out of Houston and a oh. Lamborghini dealer. So that'll be pretty exciting. That'll be a fun
0: event. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. Uh, yep. We'll be there Thursday night. Jonathan, me helping him out yes. on the microphones? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Why not? And,
0: right. uh, yeah. And, of course, we will be on the microphones. Jonathan is going to be Jonathan and Kevin Schwantz. Be doing uh, most doing of the, the race, yeah. sessions out there, and I'll uh, try Joe to... Roberts
2: has promised to come in at some point and talk oh, good, to us. Good,
0: good, because so... we're going to need some expertise when Kevin's yeah, not Yeah, Vito, in the come room. come on by the booth. <laughs> yeah, very welcome. <laughs> All right, Vito, thank you so Thanks, much. Guys, appreciate you coming on. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Right. Thanks, we had a lot of good more comments on YouTube about MotoGP. Thanks everybody, and uh, yep, we'll talk to you next Sunday night. Happy trail.